0: You're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. And welcome to the Transport for the North podcast. I am your host, Gemma. And today in our latest series of podcasts where we're talking to our members, I am joined by Councillor Carl Marshall. He is the Northeast Joint Transport Committee member and also cabinet member for Economic Regeneration at Durham County Council. Uh, Hello, Councillor Marshall, how are you today?
1: I'm great, thanks Gemma. The sun's shining, so um, everything's
0: good. Glad to hear it and um, Councillor Marshall give us a little bit about your background and your uh, responsibilities, your local area up there in the northeast, um, and also touch on I know um, Nexus and the role of the combined authorities in that area as well.
1: Yeah so like you said I'm a county councillor over in Durham um, up in Durham County Council. Um, my role covers economic regeneration which includes transport and strategic transport planning as well. Um, and I think that's really, really useful to combine the jobs and the ambitious plans we have to grow the economy alongside the transport and the transport planning and the infrastructure proposals that are coming forward. I, um, I sit on the Joint Transport Committee and I represent the Northeast Combine Authority on the Transport for the North Board. And that body works very closely with Nexus and the Tynanweya subgroup, looking at the operation of the Tynanweya Metro. But also some of the wider regional transport planning that we need, such as the connectivity of buses, um, the the connectivity through the Tain Tunnel, as as well as some of the regional bids into government through TFN
0: excellent so you're obviously uh, a very busy chap so thank you very much for taking the time to uh, join us on the podcast today and i'm sure we've got plenty to talk about uh on all things transport for uh for your area over in the, uh, in the northeast but also for the wider north as well so um let's kick straight off um now the the the, the uh, focus of this um mini series of podcasts um is all around sort of uh, leveling up um and the wider impacts of uh, decades of underinvestment. tell us a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that the northeast combined authority um, and the wider north have faced historically around that lack of funding for our infrastructure
1: so i think the starting point for us in the northeast is our ambitious plans to grow our economy and create jobs and transport as as we all know plays a, a an absolute vital part in that so in, in county term alone we have plans to create thirty thousand jobs over the next few years and when you combine that with the wider um the wider northeast region you know we, we we really need to get some investment into transport i think we would all say that over decades has been massive underinvestment into um transport infrastructure and in particular into in, in real infrastructure as well so i think i think for us just making sure that we're properly connected to the the rest of the north but also the rest of the the country is absolutely key to us realizing those jobs and the potential of the northeast um I mean, you know, just to just to put that into, into perspective, and and as we all know, transport's fairly complex with different people operating the trains, different people being responsible for maintaining and upgrading the tracks and then the, the future pipeline of investment into it. Um, but, you know, things like access into Manchester and Liverpool and into London and the Midlands, everything that, that comes into and out of the northeast via rail, Tends to come via the East Coast Main Line, and we've got a we've got a bit of railway track in the northeast there uh, with the East Coast Main Line that hasn't really been invested in for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. So some real sort of need to um, get that up to modern standards. Um, one of the biggest issues that we have is around sort of reliability and resilience in the East Coast Main Line. So when things go wrong, they tend to clog the whole network up. Um, we only have two sort of dual track between North Allerton up into Newcastle and then on into Scotland so when things go wrong we've got little option to um to put it right and I think as we've seen um sort of rail usage increase over the past decade in particular we've seen more trains put over that track and it's competing um, the faster trains are competing with the slower trains with freight with um, with local inter-regional connectivity as well and um so when things go wrong, it really does clog up everything for the northeast. And obviously the knock-on effect of that for us is that you've got passengers waiting on platforms across the north mm. who, who just can't get the way they're going. So then um the car becomes a much more reliable alternative for them. And I think on top of the reliability and the resilience, there's the speed as well that you know to, to for, for someone from the from the northeast to um to travel. Um, across into Manchester, you know it's only nine nine miles an hour quicker to go via train than what it is via car. So that means that people are now choosing sort of cars over trains, and we've seen that position exacerbated a bit because of the um, of the pandemic. So I think for for me, years of underinvestment in the network, um, on top of a desire from a lot of people to put more trains over it um have, have reached a point where if we don't do something with it really really quickly um that connectivity that we need as a northeastern and a wider a wider region um is really going to hold back our plans for jobs and growth i'm
0: really glad you you uh, mentioned that sort of about that um the bottlenecks in the system and how that it doesn't just impact a very uh local area but it's felt right across the region and uh there's consultation out at the the moment over on the uh the other side of the north in manchester on the rail uh network there but yeah absolutely And I've you know I felt it uh myself as a passenger you know you go and get a, a train at leeds to try and come back to manchester and there's been a, a delay over in you know Manchester end um that impacts right across the region so uh, yeah absolutely right that um onward kind of connectivity and and a wider challenges within the network are absolutely kind of like built in and uh, yes yeah, it's um, exactly why we need um ongoing investment and for that leveling up agenda to uh to really come to life um on that uh leveling up it's um it's the buzzword of the moment. It's been uh, rattling around in everybody's uh, speeches and press releases and, and comments for some time now. Um, if you were to set out five priorities to support the North in in levelling up, uh, what would they be?
1: I think we've spent a, a lot of time as a North East and through the work with Transport for the North looking at the Northern Powerhouse Real Plan, which is um, designed to do um, and put right some of the problems that I've just described, you know, to get that resi- re- resilience into the network, to get that capacity for, for, for faster trains. Um, and as a northeast region, we're absolutely all lined up, political leaders, businesses, communities, residents, um, that we know that, 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 that our sort of ask for the Northeast as part of Northern Powerhouse Rail, It'll allow us to grow our economy and make those um, changes that we need. I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody turns up for a train and it doesn't arrive or it's an hour late, and then that, that has a knock on effect to business appointments, um, if they can't depend on that network, then they're just not going to use it. And I think it's become even more important because of the, um, the, the, the fact that every Northeast Council has agreed climate emergency plans as well. Now, we know that moving people from cars and onto trains and freight from the roads onto uh, the rail network is massive in terms of greening our economy and uh, making sure that we, we leave a, um, a better planet than, than what we all um, inherited. So, I think, I think the Northern Powerhouse Rail Plan um, does that. It puts green transport at the heart of everything we're looking to do alongside growing the economy and jobs. And for us in the northeast, that leads to Newcastle network is absolutely key. Um, it is our high speed two, if you like, um, in terms of that's how significant and how important that is to the northeast. And, and our ask from that is is quite simple to explain in terms of um, we need the high speed two network to be approved by government and in particular the eastern leg. We need them to bring forward that plans if it only goes as far as the Midlands, um, you know, the ne- the Northeast and um and County Durham are going to be left even further behind. Um, and I think I think from, so for me, making sure that high speed two plugs into the east coast mainline is important. There's several steps that the, the government can can make now, and that's in terms of upgrades to the east coast mainline, which we've seen some um, some of those start, but we need them to go further and, and sort of bring them further forward in the in the in the in the program if you like um but by doing that preparatory work for high speed two when it does plug in we can make sure we get high speed two trains onto the um on these east coast main line and get them up with a degree of certainty that they're going to be going as quick as they possibly can up into um into our core um core cities in 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 sort of side, into county durham and on into newcastle and then onwards and upwards into um into scotland so i think that's key um as part of being able to do that because like i said previously one of our issues is we've got too many trains going across too little track um we we want the the, the government to consider the full reopening of the Leamside line which is a redundant railway track that runs alongside the east coast main line now what this allows us to do is to put freight and increase um the the freight onto the on the east coast main line via the Leamside line it allows us to bring forward plans for greater inter regional connectivity within the Northeast as well, with some of the light rail options. Um, but it also puts that resilience into the network so that if um, something does go wrong, we can actually divert trains around that route and keep the network flowing and not and make sure that we've got more reliable passenger trains right across the um the region. And I think I think for us in in terms of um in terms of this. Um, everything that comes into and out of the the northeast needs to use the East Coast Main Line, so it's about that east to to west connectivity for us as well, and opening up routes into into Liverpool and Manchester, like I previously mentioned. You know, at the minute it takes almost three hours to get from to get from Liverpool into Newcastle, and actually you can fly to Lisbon quicker from Liverpool than what you can get a train into Newcastle, which in the modern era, you know, it's it's just not acceptable. So. We need we need those improvements and we're confident that if um, if, if the full reopen of the Leam sideline and the improvements and the investment that's going to allow high speed to connect to connect into that network. um we, we're confident that we can then really grow our economy in the northeast. And um, for us, that would be that would be a major milestone in beginning to level up the northeast. I think as well, what it does is it, it, it looks at better connectivity into Scotland as well for us. Um, that we Obviously, the northeast as a region borders Scotland, and we've got really good in, and important links into into Scotland. So, you know, I think things like the Union Connectivity Review, which um, the government are, um, are looking at, I think I would hope that these benefits would be of national importance and not just important for the north or the northeast um, because of, because of of that work. So, yeah
0: and if we if we think about um the mechanisms by which we're going to achieve this this leveling up so that the, the specific things we need are um investment in, uh, in a number of rail projects as you've outlined there as, as as well as many other um transport matters how does um the devolution of power and budgets fit into that leveling up agenda and what does the north and, and the wider north want to see in uh, in that area
1: i think I think all of us across the whole of the North are clear that making decisions in the North are a lot better than making them in Whitehall. And so I think for for me, um, the whole the whole reason and, and rationale why um, George Osborne sort of brought forward the plans for transport for the North were about making sure that decisions that had a bigger impact on us um, were made more locally. And I think um I think for me that's that's still at the heart of, of everything I try to do. Um I think you know there's some big risks in that at the moment. And we've seen over the past few months um a bit of a, a bit of a watering down of the role of transport for the north, as I would see it. Um we've seen the removal of things like the um budget that was supporting the development of integrated ticketing and smart ticketing, which would have meant that the the confusing world of transport became less confusing for passengers and also would have led to um more more affordable and cheaper fares across the north i'm absolutely positive of it Um, so the government withdrawing money for that after an enormous amount of cash has been spent on it is, is 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 not helping i think to show the government's um commitment to leveling up but for me that that devolved decision making and actually it goes Beyond just decision making, it's that, it's that partnership approach between central government and Whitehall and local leaders within the north working together to deliver on all of our aspirations to level up and to make sure the northeast and the wider north is a place where people want to live, people want to visit and people want to invest. And for me, that that's absolutely imperative so I think I think you know that we're at a signature moment for transport for the north now whether the government um, whether the government sees us as a key partner in the delivery of this um, world-class network that's going to deal with the challenges that we've all faced across the north or whether the government um, have an alternative plan to deliver that?
0: you're absolutely right I mean you use the word um partnership there and it's that it's it's that one voice feel isn't it of that uh, that transport for the north brings together all of the the north's leaders um bringing their insight their experience their evidence their local knowledge their local needs um into one place to really make the case and um, as a as a tfn board member um what would what would you say in terms of some of the highlights of um tfn's successes um over the recent months how has uh how has transport for the north as a as a statutory sub-national transport body really made that case for investments
1: so i think what we what we've got now is um and inst- instead of a a beauty pageant of projects across the north what we've got is a, a a bunch of projects that we've all built into from our individual parts of the north that that isn't just a, a political pipe dream these are a bunch of projects and interventions that for me lead to transform more transformational change across the across the whole of the north um, and i think for the first time what we've got is a, a bunch of projects that show What the potential and the benefits for this investment which is a significant investment but it it shows by the data and the facts and the business cases that have been built up behind them that it's more than just a a a bunch of glamour projects these projects now have an evidence base and a rationale that the government really need to take notice of and i think that's a fundamental shift from where we've been in the past where politicians may, may have made decisions based on their own views of where they'd like investment to go or how they'd like that investment to be delivered you've got industry professionals working across a range of different departments who've been working directly with officers within the dft political leaders across the north to put forward a transformational project in the northern powerhouse real proposals that actually would allow us to grow our economy and deliver on exactly what the government have said numerous times they'd like to do in terms of leveling up the country. And I think for me, that has been the single um, the single biggest difference to um, the role that Transport for the North has played. Um, I think at times we might all sort of complain about the, the length of time these things take, but I think where we've ended up in terms of our proposals for Northern Powerhouse Rail, Uh, You know, it's very, very difficult for anybody to question the proposals that have been put forward because we've all worked collectively. There's had to be a lot of give and take along the way and decisions um, have been made and are still being made based on on the work that's going on. But I think for the first time, we've got an evidence based approach to where we would like investment to go that will allow us to really grow the economy across the whole of the north
0: yeah again you know collaboration everybody's involved and there is some give and take um we spoke to um manchester mayor andy burnham on the podcast earlier and um, and he was referencing exactly the same thing you know it, the end of the day there is only so much money um there's only so much you can do within that money but by working together across the region we can see the bigger picture we can understand um how things fit together much better and we can really drive forward at uh, what we're doing in the north And um, the final um issue i want to touch on councillor marshall um it's the c word i'm afraid covid 19 um it's obviously had a massive impact on every area of life on how we work how we travel how we um get education how we experience healthcare, how we buy our food from the shop so much has been impacted by this um global pandemic and as we record this we're we're not far off of a year since the kind of start of the the very first lockdown and and all the implications that that quite quite dramatically and very quickly brought on the on the the transport networks on public transport in particular what would you say are the main things that we've um learned from this pandemic um now that we're about a year in and how are we kind of taking that forward um to hopefully um you know Maintain resilience to build back better and to um, you know get towards some kind of, of of new normal if that's still a thing.
1: I think for us in the northeast, the the biggest impact is probably yes yet to be fully realised. Um, I think at the at the minute um, we we're, we're, we're still in survival mode, and that survival mode is not just with people's lives but also with um, businesses as well. And I think um, we, 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 we've we seen the impact on COVID sort of, from my point of view, exacerbated by um, sort of delays in the important decisions that should have been taken. But I, I guess that's a discussion for another day. I think in terms of where we're at as a, as a region, um, we have some real concerns about the economy. We know there are a lot of businesses who've been propped up by the government's furlough scheme. Um, we know that with transport in particular, that we saw the um, the, the, the sort of privatised model for transport in effect broken overnight because you had that private-public partnership um, where money came in from private ticketing into a pot with, with government money. Um, effectively, that was broken because we saw bus patronage and rail patronage um, effectively sort of reduced to virtually nothing overnight other than key workers who were absolutely dependent on the network. And I think the for, from my point of view, the government did the right thing by stepping in and making sure that there were um that there was a skeleton um sort of rail and bus network funded. Um but I think we've got some massive challenges um as we as we look to recover from the pandemic. And I think for me, um in the Northeast, bus use in particular is a is a major, major issue. Um the bus patronage has has literally fell off a, a cliff edge and with it, the, um, the model from which the, the, the bus network was funded. We work really, really closely with our, our bus partner operators in the Northeast. Um, but to put it bluntly, the funding envelope for the delivery of public transport in the Northeast wasn't big enough before COVID. And it certainly isn't going to be big enough as we recover. So I think there's some big risks with, um, you know, if the government doesn't look at a, at a gradual and a sustained envelope of funding for bus and train operators going forward. Um, we're really, really going to struggle because I think patronage to the bus and rail network is going to be really slow. It's not just going to suddenly, um, you know, the schools go back on the, on the 8th of March, allegedly, we'll find out later today. Um, but, you know, it's not just going to go back to pre-COVID levels. It's going to be steady. I think for me, the ambition is 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 always there that we need to encourage more people out of cars in, in on public transport. Um, we saw that pre COVID levels of rail and bus usage was increasing, um, but I, but I think it's going to take um, years rather than months to return to where we were. So for me, we need to make sure there's a sustained um, there's a sustained envelope of funding to allow that to happen gradually. And I think um, you know I would like to put on record my thanks to all of the um, the bus drivers, the train drivers, everybody who works across the bus and train network for everything they've done to keep key workers and others moving. Um, over the past twelve months, it's been extremely difficult as we as we all know. I think the other thing that I would say is that we we saw um, a massive um, benefit to the environment as well during um, during during the, the various lockdowns. And I think my worry is that we're seeing a, a, an immediate return um, to to car usage, as some of the measures have previously been um, been sort of relaxed, and um, I think there's a the, the 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 environmental crisis and the potential for the economic uh, the the environmental crisis to be um, further exacerbated. Because people are just choosing to stay in the cars because they either feel safer or because it's easier or because more reliable or because more resilient or, or for whatever reasons, I think is a major challenge as we come out of the pandemic. So for me, investing in things like active travel, really important if we encourage people to cycle and walk in particular around that first and final mile, I think, um, but in terms of the, the bigger investment and I'll sort of finish as I started for decades we've seen underinvestment in the um in the railway um infrastructure um and i think for for me um now is the time to be making that investment we know that a lot of young people in particular have been hit hardest because of the pandemic we need to make sure that our communities and all of our communities whether they be in rural areas or urban areas have the best possible most affordable greenest um public transport system available to them so they've got the best chances in life of getting a job um, but being able to um, develop their own skills and experience and expertise um, so i think now is exactly the time where the government should be stepping up and listening to the the calls from transport for the north and the evidence base that sits behind it and funding the northern powerhouse rail project Um, in its entirety, which will allow us to recover from COVID and level up our economy.
0: I couldn't have put it better myself, Councillor Marshall. I think you're absolutely right. And um, yeah, I I think that that, that does kind of sum it up. You know, we've, particularly the past 12 months, particular challenges that's, you know, been built on decades of underinvestment and long-term problems in our um, transport networks now's the time to take action there's 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 never been a better time and it's never been more important so um yeah we shall continue uh with that goal in mind and uh we're we're glad that um yourselves over up in the northeast are part of the uh the transport for the north one voice uh making the case for investment in our region and um, thank you so much councillor marshall for joining me today it's been a really great look at um the the challenges and the opportunities around transport uh in your area and across the wider north and um, listeners thank you very much for tuning in again I um, hope you're enjoying this uh this podcast series where we get to talk to some of our members it's really great to touch on the um different issues around the north but actually um it's really great to see uh the similarities and that uh we are all facing the same kind of challenges the same kind of opportunities and and it just uh reiterates that we are all uh pulling together um for the same goals across the north so um stay tuned we will bring you more chats uh with our members over the coming weeks and months Uh, and in between these podcasts make sure you're following us on social media and that you've signed up to our all points north weekly email newsletter as well and you can do that on our website thanks again for listening thanks again to councillor marshall and we look forward to uh, bringing you another podcast very soon Thanks for listening to the Transport for the North podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe on Spotify and SoundCloud so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook for all our latest updates. And join us on our website where you can find all the latest news and sign up to our All Points North newsletter.